0: Welcome to the Fabricators Coach Podcast, where we believe that every fabricator deserves to have a business that not only makes the money, but also gives them time to enjoy it. In each episode, our goal is to share real information that you can take action on and use today. Information that, if you will use it, can help you reduce the chaos in your business, help you make more money, and help you get your life back. This particular podcast was created from a live recording of a previous webinar, in order to protect the confidentiality of the attendees, we've gone in and redubbed some of the questions and cut out some of the conversation. All right, I think we're about ready to go ahead and get cranked up. So I want to welcome everybody here. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your Friday. Uh, hopefully we can do something that is uh, that's helpful for you today. What we want to do is talk about our most uh, recent article which in uh, Slippy Rock Gazette. Um, this is, for most any of you who've been here before, you know this is more of a discussion than it is a presentation. Uh, I've got probably 30 minutes or so of prepared content, um, but uh, what I do is I ask a lot of questions, try to get some discussion going, um, and so I like to, to get everybody involved. I think there's a lot that we can all learn from each other. I'm, you know, I, I'm the guy who wrote the article, I'm hosting a webinar, that doesn't mean that I know everything. I think a lot of you have got a lot of good information to, to that can be helpful and be of benefit to everybody who attends here. So I want to get uh, I want to get everybody involved as much as possible. Okay, well let's uh, let's go ahead and get started real quick. Uh, those of you who don't know me, um, I've got oh, about forty years' experience in manufacturing, uh, business ownership, uh, coaching, consulting. Worked with hundreds of companies in a lot of different industries, uh, all primarily manufacturing. I've owned my own brick and mortar business, so. Those of you who are owners, I know what it's like to kind of be on that island by yourself. Uh, I've coached a number of uh, fab shop owners the last 20 years, and I ran a countertop shop for a few years as well. So I've been where uh, where a lot of you now are. So I understand a lot of those, those challenges that you've got. The article we're going to talk about today is the uh, came out in first of this month, Slippy Rock Gazette. If you haven't read it, you can hit the website fabricatorscoach.com and get a copy. Or you can go to SlipperyRockGazette.net and download the current issue and, and catch it there, as well as some other good articles, too. Uh, title of the article is Culture Eats Strategy for Breakfast. The reason that I do the articles and the reason I do the webinars is to, to give you some thoughts and, and ideas and, and some techniques so that you can begin to work on your business the average size shop in this industry is about $3 million a year in sales. And interestingly enough, uh, when I first started working in this industry a little over 20 years ago, in fact, John was my first client. um, The average size shop in this industry was about $3 million in sales. Um, And so it's interesting that hadn't changed a whole lot. And so when you're at that size business, it's really easy. I've let, several of you have said, well, I do kind of everything here. i wear a lot of hats. And if you're doing that, it's sometimes tough to stop and work on your business. You end up being kind of run by your business. And so what I like to do is help folks find ways that they can start to work on their business so they can improve it. And the idea behind that is the more you improve it, the closer you get to having a business, not only makes you money, but also gives you time to enjoy it. I think that's important. Otherwise, you know, what are we doing and why? Um, I think you deserve that. Um, One of the things that we do also do is that we convert these webinars into podcasts. And so you can go back and listen to these. This will be posted sometime in the next few days. Uh, So this uh, gives you a chance to kind of review this information if you like. And if you've missed a previous webinar, saw an article that you liked or a topic that you want to listen to, if you'll hit the Fabricators Coach podcast on any of your podcast platforms, and you can go back and listen to those as well. So that's just another way we try to get information out to help you out, because I think there's a lot, of good, a lot of good thoughts out there that can be beneficial. I'm not the only person that offers this kind of information, but I try to do my part. So let me ask a question. How many of you are frustrated with lack of consistently good results from your business? Anybody? You guys are all happy. Hey, that's great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's are, it's more consistency with employees that i'm having issues with
0: are your employees a little too good at playing the blame game
1: oh yeah <laughs> and always excuses
0: sure yep um are you struggling maybe to consistently delight your customers because that's kind of what we do in this business right make customers happy
1: yeah that kind of goes hand in hand
0: Yep. with definitely. my uh,
1: with the excuses they give
2: me.
0: (laughs) Well, as you can imagine, from the title of the article, culture could be a very big key to this. Uh, The title is Culture Eat Strategy for Breakfast. And so the question is, all right, what's that mean? Uh, Part of what it means is no matter what you plan to accomplish, no matter what you and no matter how much you intend to achieve certain results, like delighting those customers. It's the behaviors that you tolerate and it's the values that the the top people in the company truly live that, that determine the outcome, determine the results that you get. Another way to say that is, it's the actions that you take, it's the expectations that you set and that you exemplify, that you demonstrate and live, as well as the behaviors that you tolerate those are the things that are going to determine the results that you achieve. Does that resonate with any of you? Does that, does that bring up any, does anybody disagree with that, first off? No, I agree with it. Okay. So let me give you some examples kind of what, what this looks like. Um, early in my career, I worked in textiles, uh, taking fiber, spinning yarn, weaving cloth, that kind of stuff. And we had a saying, you inspect what you expect. We were the low-cost producer textile company. And textiles, you think margins are tough in this business? Textiles, you know, 1%, 2%, that's, that's pretty typical. And so every, because we were going to be the low-cost producer, we we're going to make up for it on volume. All of our management reports, all of our metric, everything was about production, productivity, efficiency, cost, the whole bit. And so we had good low cost what do you think we may also have had? We were so focused on cost that our quality was bad. And so we started losing business on quality. And it wasn't until we started measuring quality that our quality got better. So the the kinds of metrics that you have out there, it's that demonstration of, okay, here are the questions that we're going to ask. These are the Uh, these are the metrics we're going to measure that's pretty obvious that's what we expect and at the time we were expecting productivity and low cost we had to start modifying that and include quality because otherwise that was was having a bad impact on us certain business Um, another example in this industry had a fab shop client on their wall on their website their business card cards all these sayings about how they love their clients, they appreciate their clients, their clients are the best part of the business, they respect their clients. But what kind of things do you think I ran into when I walked into the business and started working with folks in the in the, in the business? What would you expect to see?
1: Like a happy work environment, respect for the employees,
0: too. Yeah, but you would expect to hear a lot of conversations about, you know, working to satisfy clients and and how great they are, and that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. and what I was hearing was a constant bashing of clients. I can't believe that she wanted so-and-so-and-so-and-so, and 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 they constantly call you know, and just this, and we hear a lot of this industry because it can be challenging because our customers don't understand our industry really well, so it's something that we do run into, but if you're going to go out and put the words out there talking about how great your customers are, but then allow your employees to bash your customers, then you're not living your culture. Your real culture is what's being said and what's being done, not what's up on the wall. And so when I went to work with that client and I go pull up their Yelp reviews and their Google reviews, what do you think I saw?
2: Bad reviews.
0: Wasn't good because the culture was clients are bad. Clients are stupid, bash the clients. They don't know what they're doing we're right, they're wrong. And that's going to be poor customer service. But yet we're out there, we've got the great sayings on the side of the wall, as you walk down the hall, and we got it on the website and all that, but we're not living those values. So that's part of how culture, regardless of what the owner wanted to have happened, he was tolerating these conversations, and it was having an impact on his business. So that's, that's another, Another example of how culture can eat your strategy, can beat your intentions because of, of the behaviors that you're, you're letting happen. Okay. People pay more attention to what you do than to what you say. I think that's a good example of that. One thing that I've found is I've worked in a lot of different organizations, done lots of uh, formal assessments of organizations. Like I did one earlier this week on, on a fab shop and what I find is that the culture of an organization always reflects the values of the person at the top, whatever that owner, that top manager, whoever, whatever they value, whatever they think is important, that culture is going to reflect that. Have any of you got any examples of that in your business? How well do you think your, your culture matches what you want it to be?
2: I mean, I know of a, a, a very simple one. I think I just read this maybe in the last slippery rock, but one way of just kind of reaching your your staff is just to be positive. It's the easiest way to do it. You you're positive, and they they kind of feed off of that a little bit. Okay, so can you give me an example of that? Uh, go downstairs in the shop, have a smile on your face for starters. Yeah. All right, ask, ask people how they're doing, how their weekend was. What. what are
0: Okay. And that's great. Uh, what happens when you run across a problem? Uh customer calls back, they got a scratch or chip, they don't like the install, or uh something didn't get made right in the shop and, and now you're gonna be late with an install potentially. How do you take that value of being positive and demonstrate it during those times?
2: I guess kind of transfer that to patience and sort of maybe get to the root of the problem before we start pointing fingers. All right. That's a good thought. Anybody else?
1: I think it it reminds me when I have to do that of Tom Hanks in a league of their own, where she misses the cutoff man. And he's trying to hold in all of his anger to come off, not, you know, don't jump in their throat, but you're still missing the cutoff man. And it's very, very tough because not to like switch subjects, but we're so the employee turnover um, going on right now and the lack of finding really, really good talent. It's like, you kind of got to tiptoe on them, you know, and some of the people know that they, we can't lose them, you know, and it's like, they're cocky about it. Like, and that's the fine line too, with pointing out mistakes to the shop guys and the fabricators and the installers is how to navigate their personality differences and, you know, and, and go that route with the fear of losing them. Cause You know, they in Elk Grove Village. I'm sure some of you have heard about Elk Grove Village. There's a million fabricators just in our little quadrant. They can walk to another shop at any given time and get another job. You know, it's not. I used to rep Cleveland, so I know the Cleveland, Akron, all of that area. And I know like Bedford Heights has that little nook of fabricators in there. It's kind of similar to that, but um, you know, that that's my biggest obstacle with with the shop guys and managing their personality stuff.
0: So. So is that a, is that dynamic, a product of your culture, or is that a dynamic that is impacting your culture? Which do you think is, is more prevalent?
1: I think it's a huge impact because it, it tests is, it tests our patience It tests our, our, our tolerance for certain things like that. So it is impacting us to, um, calm down, I guess you could say, and be, don't freak out on them. I, I for my opinion, I don't know.
0: Okay. What do the rest of you think? Does, does culture impact that or is that just overwhelming your culture?
2: My management style is probably, I don't make a big deal out of it. We have mistakes every day. I, I, I wouldn't tolerate somebody getting in each other's face whatsoever. We had to lose a really good guy like that. But you know, you can't, how everybody else looks at everybody, is how you're gonna treat people. And there's certain things we would not allow, period. And I think that just gets some respect. My wife is an accountant. She has a phrase, and I think Ed kind of used it here, but don't expect if you don't inspect. So if you're expecting, expecting good quality, you have to check it out. I think, even though it actually makes sense if you think about it, it's just that when you're in the when you're like a couple of y'all you know, guys wearing a bunch of hats, it's hard to inspect all the things that go on in the process. It's almost like you almost need to grow a little so you can step back a little to view the process. Anyway, I'm still learning, and I've been doing this since '77. So, all right,
0: all, all good thoughts, John. Thank you. I, I've got some some things I'm going to bring up that relate to what you guys have just been talking about. And let me let me kind of lead up to it here a little bit. And I, and it kind of moves us into this. How do we change our culture um, in, in terms of how do we make it better and how we overcome some of these issues? Some of you have talked about um, turnover and generational issues, uh, that sort of thing. I've got a client that has very little turnover. He has almost none. Mm-hmm. And he has a mixture of long-term employees, and he's got a lot of a lot of younger employees. In fact, he's in his 40s, and he's got some younger people working for it. And part of why he doesn't struggle with these issues as much as some of y'all are, are talking about, and as I see with other fabricators too, is that he hires for fit in his culture First, he looks for people who will fit his culture. Then he looks for, can they learn the job I want them for? And then he trains them in the technical aspects of the job and trains them for the process he wants them to to follow in the job. Um, How many of you know what a pattern maker is in the the metalworking industry? Mm -hmm. Anybody? Pattern maker is if you're going to cast a part, do some um, some injection molding or or sand casting, whatever you've got a um, and you and you've got a high tolerance part that you want to cast, you've got to allow for the expansion and shrinkage of the type of metal. A, a lot of really detailed, technical, you know, high precision, mathematical kind of things that you got to do to be a good pattern maker because you got to know how much. Uh, 1095 steel is going to shrink or expand compared to say an m10 steel compared to aluminum whatever and and, you know these guys are are really technical and and kind of high end on the math side we were looking for a field manager to manage his templators and his installers and this is about a three to four million dollar company he's not you know a really big operation he's about the size probably of a lot of you folks um and we came across a guy who was a pattern maker who wanted to move out of pattern making and, and wanted to move kind of into the area where this guy was geographically. And we ended up hiring him to be a Templar. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because of his technical skills. That was the second check. The first check was, was he a good fit for the culture of the company? Cause this guy, this owner is really, really big about the culture of his company and and what how he wants his people to understand and think and, and work and act every day so what's happened is he he said okay does it fit our culture great can he learn the job well as a pattern maker yeah that's you know being a templar is a piece of cake compared to being a pattern maker um and the guy has been because of the training program this fabricator set up he's got a a program called trainual and you can get a, an app on your phone and so What happened was he knows he's hiring the right person. When he hires them, they are giving notice at their current employer and he goes ahead and gives them a login on this training app so they can start learning the job. And before they show up, they've been on their phone learning that job. So they show up partially trained on day one. That's a good example of hiring for cultural fit and not worrying as much about, okay, have they done this job before? And I think a lot of folks in this industry tend to hire for experience. Oh, you're, you're a Templar. You've been a Templar for 10 years. Great. Come on. Let's work out the paid details and let's get started. When can you start? Not thinking about culture fit, not thinking about the bad habits they may bring with them. We, we just need a, a Templar because it's so hard to find a good Templar these days. Whereas this fabricator is focused so much on his culture. And those of you that, I've, that have read any of my articles or that I've worked with, understand I, I push really hard on some metrics called throughput and operating expense. Allows us to, to know, did we win the day yesterday? And today being the 17th of the month, have we, are we on track to make, have we made a profit so far this month? And based on what we've already got scheduled for the rest of the month, are we on track to make a profit for the month? So it's a really good management accounting. This same fabricator has embraced those metrics, tracks them daily, posts the results daily. And because he's got the right culture, about Christmas last year, they weren't going to hit their target. There were some problems with some site issues, nothing that they could control. And they were going to be just a little short of their goal for the month. Now, there was no bonus based on this. There was no management expectation. This company this fabricator shuts down between Christmas and New Year's. They take that week off. That's just their, their habit. That's how they do things. And the management team, not the owner, but the three key managers were sitting there looking at the report saying, you know, doggone it, those sites are ready next week. If we if we can get these jobs installed, we can hit our goal. And it wasn't, again, because of a bonus. And the manager said, Look, I'm I'm not here that week. <laughs> we're off. The place is closed. But those <laughs> managers got together put together a plan and went and got those jobs installed between Christmas and New Year's because their culture, their values were, if we set a target, we hit that goal. And they're not going to cover off the ball. This is a fabricator in a semi-rural area that in the face of a coming recession is going to grow at least 30% this year. Because of culture. So it starts with hiring, but also includes, you know, what metrics are out there? Um, What do you track? What's, what's visible? What do you, what do your employees see in terms of metrics for whatever it is that you value? What are the key topics in your management meetings? So maybe you don't have real large businesses. So you may not have a management team, so to speak, and you may not have management meetings, but there's somebody that you talk with about the business. So it's, what do you talk about? And also, how do you talk about it? How do you recognize and reward employees? Do you have the same performance expectations for all employees? And I want to step on some toes here, because I know some of you said when you're introduced yourselves you're in a family business. Stop and think a minute. Do you have, some family members in your business, think about a time when they said or did something that you weren't real happy with. Did you handle talking to them the same way you would if it was any other employee impacts the culture of your business. Um, also true for long-term employees or somebody mentioned um, having employees with specific technical skills. You don't think you can do without them. I had a client, uh two years ago small shop they had this old cantankerous cnc the only one guy knew how to use he's the only guy who could program it and run it and he showed up when he wanted to he went home when he wanted to the the owners would set a production schedule he would cherry pick the schedule he decided what he wanted to run on what day nobody else did that one employer ran the whole company what do you think their culture was like okay so, you know, do you have the same expectations for all employees? How do you handle your employees? And then, you know, we've talked about how you, you know, about hiring for skill and hope they fit the team or hire to fit the team and then train for the skill. Are any of you doing any of these types of things in your business now in terms of, of hiring for culture, hiring for fit, that sort of
2: thing? Well, I don't know. We don't word it the way you have here, but um, it's interesting. We are trying to pay more attention on how we hire and how we train. But I don't think we have a guideline like you're suggesting.
0: Well, I think the fact that you look at that is great, John. One of the things that this industry, I think, struggles with a lot is is training people. Um, I think a lot of us, because we've been in the industry for so long, forget that we weren't born knowing how to make countertops. Mm -hmm. And the more we can figure out how to train people effectively, the better we're going to be able to deal with generational issues, employee turnover issues, those types of things. In my opinion, from having looked not just in this industry, but a lot of others, high turnover in a company has is in large part impacted by your culture. This this fabricator I mentioned with a management team, you know, did the work over the holidays and all that he hires for he hires for culture for fit. Um, He doesn't have the turnover. He'll have one or two once in a while, but he does not have that constant revolving door that everybody else does. Um, He yeah, sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to find a key person sometimes, but he's got a good reputation in his area. If there are people in his area that have a chance of being able to do that work he gets enough good applicants the few times he has to hire it's not that big a deal because his culture attracts the right people now i know if you've got you know a dozen fabricators on the same street that you're on on the same block it's it's a little different scenario he's in a semi rural area in a pretty good sized town probably 100,000 people so he's got he uh, I mean he's got he's about a 3 or 4 million dollar shop he's got a fabricator in his town that's twice his size uh, and he's got some smaller ones, so he's got some competition. Um, and it's easier in a small market like that to get your get your reputation, your word out there, than sometimes in a large, you know, very dense metropolitan market for a large city. But I think the dynamic's still there: is building your culture and using that as a recruiting tool. One of the things that this guy has done is is uh, I helped him find a resource. To train his management team in management skills, leadership skills. He needed to make a key hire last month. He had a, he had somebody come to him that was wanted to come work with him that happened to have the skills he was looking for at the time. And one of the ways he was able to recruit him was, hey, look, we've got, we've got, we do management training for our key managers. And oh, by the way, we've got a coach on retainer. We'll set you up with a a monthly or weekly meeting with the coach, and he'll coach you one-on-one. So again, part of culture valuing employees and doing the things that he needs to do so that folks can perform and want to perform at the standard that he wants. And of course, he leads by example with all of it. So as you're looking at culture and some of the issues that folks are dealing with in terms of recruiting, retaining employees, I think looking at culture and, and how your business runs is going to is a big key part of that. Those of you who know me know I like to say that your business is running exactly the way you've designed it to run. And the parallel to that for today is your culture is exactly the type of culture, if you're an owner or the top manager, it's exactly the same culture that you've set up. If you don't like it, you've got the opportunity to change it. How many of you have picked up a couple of things in the last 45 minutes or so that may be valuable to you in changing your culture and addressing some of the issues in your companies?
2: Well, I have, at least it leads me to think, I'd like to think about it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, if I get you to think that's a
1: good start. I just, just kind of, you know, I still have trouble crossing that fine line, you know, and especially, and I don't want to play the girl card, but I'm a woman, you know, in the industry too, but they've, I know my shit. I've been doing this 22 years. So that aspect of it only comes with, Um, when I kind of have to reprimand them and I don't yell at them or whatnot, I've kind of changed my approach to make it humorous. And that kind of seems to be working. You know, I'll literally be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You're so much better than that. You know, like what, what were you smoking the drapes today? You know? And then they kind of like, okay, yeah, I screwed that up. And then they have more, um, like more of a chance to show their integrity to me rather than, Oh, it was a fabricator. Oh, it was the installer. Oh, and vice versa. You know? So I kind of, but then that bothers me because I kind of have to dumb myself down just to get through to them, you know, but it, that's the only part I keep changing because the culture in our shop, there's, it's all over. I mean, it's very, very different, um, as far as managing those personalities. And then in the office, we have all women. And I'll be the first to tell you, I, I don't like to work with a bunch of women, but the women, all of our personalities are very different. You know, we do your work, you get along. If anybody's got something to say, we say it to the face. There's not that one bag, bad egg in the office, you know, that's behind the back and whatnot. And so that's good. We just have to get that morale, that kind of same flow with the back, but they kind of stick to their own too. You know, it's, it's tough, but. Well, do you have a single person who manages the shop? Yeah, I do. But there's huge personality conflict with with that. And he is the one that we we can't lose, but it that way, you know, so his way of giving direction or telling direction is not. I mean, if I were the shop guys, I wouldn't respect it 100 percent. And I've had conversations with both sides trying to resolve that. But it's just it is a culture difference. You know, it's it's the. Mexican shop guys and the Portuguese Brazilians in the office. So you get that, like, it's more superior. A little macho testosterone there. There's a lot of that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. a lot of that. Sure. Um,
0: And, you know, you talked about how you have adapted, how you work with those different groups of people. That's one of the, that's a key management skill. It's a key leadership skill is to. You know, it's real easy to do what I used to do, which is chew up nails, spit out barbed wire, and, you know, sometimes make grown men cry. Um, And and it's understanding that we've got to adapt what, you know, how we approach people so that it's effective for that individual. Because if we don't make that adaptation as managers and leaders, then we're going to lose people. We end up with people who are just like us. And in, in places that I ran, if I was, if everybody was a clone of Ed, we were in trouble. You know, we, we needed different perspectives, different talents, different personalities to make things work. Well, my, my attention to detail is, is not phenomenal. We need, you know, if you're doing something uh, you're, you're polishing those edges, you need somebody who's going to sit down, hand eye coordination and really look at the finished product there because that's what they're there for. They can't all be Ed's. Um, So as managers and leaders adapting how we work with those folks is, is a big key. It's a big skill. It's a very important part of that, I think. Um, so I think that's part of your culture Michelle, you're talking about your, your culture, your values seem to be valuing people, understanding that some of them are different than others, and then working with them in a way that is effective for them. Maybe not what you're the most comfortable with. Right.
1: Well, yeah, it just makes me, you know, feel like, okay, I got to pat them on the back. Who gives me a pat on the back? telling me I did a good job. Nobody. I don't need it because I know I'm good at what I do, you know? And so the other line with them is they respect me. And it took me a long time to gain their respect because we're a newer company. We've only been open for five years and I've been there for all five years. And so I as much as I give them the criticism, I, I give them the props too. When they knock a job out of the park, I make sure I go up to them and tell them that I, I'm the one that gives them that good job, that pat on the back, even their birthday presents. you know, I'll get them little things for their birthday and And whatnot. So it's, it's a two way street, you know, so that I can go back there and be like, whack, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, and and it's not off. It's not a lot. It's not every day. It's not anything like that. It's like the ones that I get the most nervous about. I'm like, oh God, this is going to get screwed up. They're great. But then they'll do backsplash or something. That's not even. And I'm like, really, really right now? You know, so it, 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 it's just, it took a while to get to that point, but then I'm okay with them. But the people whose job it is to give them that kind of direction, they can't figure that out. So I find myself in an effort to avoid conflict and avoid another employee turnover, I get involved way more than I should, but yeah.
0: Well, and what you're trying to do is in, in some sense, as we talk about culture, you're trying to, to lessen the impact of the culture driven by that plant manager it sounds like that production manager shop manager you're trying to lessen the negative impact on culture by how he manages by using your personality and your skills which Mm -hmm.
1: i think is a really good indication that okay Now you're, what was your role there? You're supposed to be the sales manager, but I pretty much run a lot of the internal stuff and, and the owner knows that. And he focuses on other things and, you know, we, we respect that. So it's almost like I work in the family business because they are like my family, you know, it's like that way. So
0: one of the reasons that I I brought up culture in this article, in this article was that you know, you heard the example I gave of the shop that's going to grow thirty percent this year and has low turnover because he's got his culture dialed in, and he, he, he—that impacts everything he does. And a lot of that's his values, but the impact on the business is his bottom line is phenomenal. You know, ten percent is kind of a, a general target for net profit in this business, and and that's you know rough average. Just a little bit higher, a little bit lower, but this guy's way more than double that consistently so the business impact the bottom line impact so talking about your owner michelle if your owner really is looking for performance out of this business maybe it's time for you guys to talk about how you can get some training or counseling or something for that shop manager because the way he's handling things with you know high turnover doesn't make money for you it costs you money uh it costs you in training it costs you in mistakes uh, it, it costs you in in low productivity, which is fewer shops, fewer tops out the door every day. When you look at business performance, which is why we're even having this conversation, it's not so we can all do kumbaya together. Uh, it's all about business performance and culture is key to that. Yeah. So it may be time maybe for you and the owner to sit down and have a conversation about that because it's it sounds like your shop manager is having a negative impact on business performance.
1: It's a negative impact on more than just the shop. So sure, yeah, (laughs) he's aware of it too, but that, that particular employee also does all of our CAD. So there's the other hat that he wears in the company. That's the, you know, and we, it's not like we don't have uh, ads out there. It's not like we haven't interviewed people for that position, but the one, the good, good people, they're at a good company that they're happy with. They're being taken care of. They aren't looking to go anywhere else. You know, you kind of hope, oh, they have a bad day one day. And, we could go snatch them up, but it's not. We don't have people banging on the door for jobs anymore. So, okay,
0: yeah, and and that probably won't happen again for probably another year, you yeah. know, depending on how the economy goes. So you got to find ways to attract those folks. And again, this this one client I'm using as an example, culture is one of his competitive edges, not just in business performance, but in attracting the right people. Because when he brings them in the interview, they get to talk to other folks in the business, they get to understand culture. Well, part of that's that's setting expectations, holding folks accountable to those expectations, building the right culture. And it's not an overnight uh, fix and it's not a quick fix. uh, And it's not a silver bullet. It's uh, part of the challenge with culture is it's this kind of squishy thing that's tough to define sometimes. And what I've tried to do is hopefully give you some some thoughts on how to put some definition around it and to start maybe making a few changes and help drive your culture. But if you don't get culture straightened out and it's not the only thing in a business but it can be a big it can be a big success factor based on the example that i showed to this other other fabricator Uh, if you don't get culture straightened out you will continue to deal with these issues long term Uh, and what i do is um, you know as you look at your culture if you want to talk about some ways to to try to change your culture if you want to look at how your culture is impacting your bottom line in your business uh one of the things i offer is a free assessment uh hit fabricatorscoach.com and hit the button for free assessment uh you can schedule that yourself and the idea is that you know because your business is running like you you designed it and because you've um you may want to make some changes in that it's tough to do that from the inside a lot of times and so that's that's something that just having another set of eyes looking at can be a big help um Keep an eye out for some announcements we've got. We've got a a good marketing workshop starting up in about six weeks. We'll be putting some word out on that before too long. Uh, One of the things that I find is a real big (laughs) shortcoming in this industry is uh, lack of professional sales training. And with a recession heading toward us, that's a big deal. We're getting ready to launch something on that. We're doing a beta test now with some shops to to trial it in. Uh, The next article is going to be batting down the hatches. As we look at the uh, the recession, what's coming at us, um, you know, getting ready for whatever is coming at us, putting together your plans now before you're in the thick of the fight and have to make those decisions is really important. So we'll talk about what some of those decisions look like and some of the things you may want to get ready for. Um, I want to thank you all for taking some time out of your Friday. Appreciate you being here.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you, Ed. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fabricators Coach podcast. If you've got any additional questions about this particular episode or anything else, please check us out at fabricatorscoach.com. Thanks. Have a great day.